the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I will be your host for today's nonprofit MBA podcast. Uh, this is almost our 400th episode. I am co-founder of Financing Solutions, and we are the leading provider of lines of credit to small nonprofits in the United States. Uh, we've been doing this for over 12 years and uh, providing lines of credit. And most nonprofits, that uh, they are shocked to know that there is a financing company that works specifically with them. And uh, having a line of credit is just kind of a no-brainer. It's a smart decision. I've had one my whole life. Uh, or my whole business life, and I know how valuable they can be. If you're interested in learning more about the uh, line of credit, please visit uh, our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Again, that's nonprofitmbapodcast.com. We also have a sponsor for the Nonprofit MBA uh, podcast. It's uh, Arrays. It's spelled A-R-A-I-Z-E. Fast Fund Online, which is cloud-based accounting software specifically designed for nonprofits. I'm on the board of two nonprofits, and I tell one of them because uh, we're looking into software packages right now. Because don't go with QuickBooks; <laughs> it's not really made for nonprofits. Where go with a software accounting package like Arrays that um, is specifically built for nonprofits. Uh, arrays can be uh, reached at arrays, A R A I Z E.com, or you can call 847 261 9605 and ask for Joe. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with uh, Jean or JPL, uh, Jean uh, uh, Pierre Lewis from uh, Capricare. Uh, and today's topic, we're going to be talking about recruiting volunteers and board members uh, for your nonprofit. JPL is an accomplished global health and strategic leader with a passion for improving the quality of health care for communities at risk in Haiti and other developing countries. He is the founder, president, and chief executive officer of Capricare, a Haitian-led 5013C non-governmental community health organization located in uh, Le Cays, Haiti. Mr. Uh, Pierre Lewis uh, is Haitian-born, founded Capricare in 2009 in response to the gross inadequacy, inadequacies of medical, preventative, and mental health services lacking in the greater uh, Haiti area. Uh, JPL, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you so much, Stephen, for having me. So how are things going in Haiti? Uh, just to kind of get get that, uh, learn a little bit more. How are things there? You know, things are very rough right now in Haiti. It's been a really rough ride, literally for the past 10 years. A lot of folks are more familiar with the 2010 Haiti earthquake that happened in the capital of, primarily the capital of, um, of Haiti, which is Port-au-Prince. But since that time, you've had issues around disasters such as uh, cholera outbreak, which killed over 8,000 people. Then you had, of course, Hurricane Sandy um, that also impacted them. Then you had Hurricane Matthew in 2016. Um, the last few years, you know, it's, it's an island, so it's positioned almost every, um, you know, you go to periodically uh, bad weather, so hurricanes happened in the month of August. 
But last year in Lake Eye, um, we had a devastating 7.2 earthquake um, that totally devastated the, the, the town and the city itself. But that happened in August, on August 14th, but July 7th, literally a month, a little bit over a month, you had the head of state, the president, assassinated. So it's been rough. And of course, we all know worldwide, right? 2020, COVID happened. So you could imagine a country such as Haiti that has had such a major impact on the world. A lot of folks do not know how impactful that Haiti has had on the world um, in terms of um, you know, independence from slavery and so forth. But even the United States, right? Because when Haiti gained its independence from France, that um, forced France to sell the Louisiana Purchase, which tripled the size of the United States, right? So Haiti has had a big role worldwide um, and even to the United States itself, but the people themselves the past 10 years have been going through it. So we really need some friends to, you know, to, as we go through bad times, to really come provide some support for us to try to get the people that the support that they need to get back on their feet. You know, I, before we even get to today's topic, I want to ask this next question and then we can kind of get more into the topic. It's something that's on my mind. It's just, I'm just curious. So every culture, I'm sorry, every country has mm-hmm. its culture. Yeah. Right. It has kind of, you know, what they're kind of known for positives and negatives. Right. Um, like I'm, I'm of Polish, uh, Ukrainian descent and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, you know, it's, just seems that, uh, I have a strong, incredibly strong work ethic, you know, it's, uh, so it's just, whether it's true or not, does it come from my culture? I don't know. It's thought that way. Right. Tell me what you think the Haitian culture is like. It's, it's built on love. Um, it's built on hospitality. And as a result of that, um, they are passionate about what they do. So a lot of folks, you know, um, sees Haiti and they hear, oh, it's poverty. It's a country that has a lot of issues. But no, it's a country that actually loves and provide a lot of support. Because remember, when, when Haiti gained its independence in, in 1804, the first thing that they did was start to help all of the Caribbean nations and Latin countries in South America also gain their independence. They didn't even ask for much back. So it's a very selfish, uh, selfless uh, country, but <laughs> for some reason, it has a tough time getting the same love that it puts out for itself as well. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I've um, it's interesting when you you talk about that. I when you see countries that are hospitable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was in Kenya this year, or this past year, uh, and you know, most people don't know if you're in the United States how much Kenya is. What first? It was fantastic. It was unbelievable. The people were amazing, and how much they they cater to vacationers. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, I think, uh, it really showed me that countries that struggle economically mm-hmm. that have a big tourism industry, how hospitable, how incredibly accommodating they are. And, um, and I thought the same thing from people from Jamaica mm-hmm. as well. Uh, there, there, I like that word love it, that you said is it, just so true. 
I really felt that way. And the people I've met from Haiti, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I felt that way too. The people I meet from Haiti, they're just good people. So as a result, right, you know, um, they get taken advantage of. And you find out in this country that are based on love, that are very hospitable, people who are very business-minded, they don't see any of that. They just want to make money. So as a result, those countries don't really negotiate at the same level to try to get back what they also give because they're so willing to help out, willing to yeah. do. And those others who come in about you know, their money and their business, they just take advantage of that. Even us as, as human beings, right? Sometimes if you are too kind to someone, you're too nice to someone, and if you don't set the boundary, then they push that. And next thing yeah. you know, you're not getting your fair end of the stick. So it often happens with these other countries as well. And here's good. a prime example of that. Yep. Well, good luck. Uh, let's we just jump just jump in today's topic, um, recruiting volunteers and board members. Yeah. Now, you actually presented this topic to me. And tell me uh, why you kind of thought that this was kind of really a, a good topic. Well, you know what? For uh, many non-for-profit that are starting out, I mean, Capital Care has been in existence for 14 years. Uh, when I started this organization, I didn't know anything about non-for-profit. I just had a dream to do something for Haiti out of my love for Haiti and to try to provide support for the people there, which is one of their biggest needs is what? Economic growth, jobs. So I wanted to just create an organization that was going to provide those opportunities. So I choose Capital Care based on my training, my experience in public health. But for an organization, for non-for-profit, what I've realized over the years is any non-for-profit that is, that is starting out, the number one thing that they need is money. But when you cannot get money, what's your next best resources? People, volunteers, leadership. And oftentimes, folks miss out on those things. So I feel like it's very important for enough of that, that, that are starting out to really be able to have infrastructures in place to onboard great leadership, board directors that's going to help to set the mission, the vision for the organization, um, and then volunteers to help provide, provide um, support for where they need um, support, right, for, for operations to work for their business to flourish. Yeah, so uh, give us the first step that you think is critical to recruiting good volunteers. Desire. You, you can't do things without first having a desire, right? So find the persons who actually have a desire for the mission or work that, you, that, that your organization is actually planning to do. Find if there's alignment there. Number two thing I would say is they must know uh, what's the core values of your organization and see if there's a match there. Oftentimes we bring people in who just wants to help, but one, they don't have true desire, right? And they don't have, they don't understand the core values of your organization or do your core values of the organization align with their core values? So I think those are very important things that has to happen. And oftentimes you find people, uh, organizations that do not put in place some kind of orientation, orientation to be begin to onboard that volunteer or to onboard that board member so therefore you know uh, they can understand okay what they are getting themselves into and the other part i would also say is um you know identify the, who, who's qualified because you have folks who may have the skill sets but they don't qualify and what do i mean by qualified well 
if you are a not-for-profit, you provide you know social justice and you empowering people, and folks wants to volunteer, do are they kind, right? Um, are they nice? Do their values go along with your organization? That's qualification. So they may have the skill sets, but they don't qualify for the work that you are bringing them to do. Yeah, it probably makes sense to make sure. And I said this in a in a, a recent podcast that I did about marketing and and fundraising is that you need to often take a step back and identify in writing your your purpose of your nonprofit, the culture of the nonprofits, the goals of the nonprofit. Have that down because like you're saying, if you're going to bring on volunteers, regardless if it's on the board or just people who are going to help out, you know, you need, you need to be able to articulate what your purpose is, your culture is, and your, your goals, um, you know, in a succinct way that's very well thought out. Did, did you do that with Capricorn? I did with Capricorn. Capricorn, excuse me. Yeah, I did. So those are the very first thing. Obviously, I didn't do them at the very beginning. At the beginning, I'm just trying to put a team together. Yeah, I don't know if you can do it in the very. I, you know, listen, I, yeah. um, you, I, I think if you've dealt, if you've built a couple nonprofits before in the past, I think you can definitely do it. But I think if you haven't done that, if you haven't had that experience, maybe you got to, you know, do your nonprofit for a year. Well, you probably can do it, but then expect that it might change. Sure. So, yeah. you know, this is how I view it, right? So at the beginning, like any, you just try to put a team together, right? So if you if you go to the basketball court, it's a five on five. You know, and you, you call next, right? And you're just trying to get five guys to play because you just want to play. Unless you came with your five, <laughs> your other four, and you make the five, you have your team set. But sometimes when you just shoot in, you just want to get a team together. So any of the first four guys will raise their hands and say, hey, yeah. I will play with you. You're grabbing them. But after a while, you start to realize, uh-uh, this guy isn't so good. Now you're looking to bring somebody who can do better than him, right? But when you're just trying to start, you're just trying to put together a team. So when I started Capital Care, I was just trying to get a team together. Obviously, yeah. I had an idea of who I wanted to be on the team, but you don't always find the right people off the bat. But once you are a year into it, two years into it, you must start to know, okay, who do I want? really want to have in this position? Or who do I need to move to put somebody else better, you know, in, in, uh, in place? So those things, you know, you have to, uh, as you start to move your ship along, you start to bring, bring in more quality people that aligns with, like I said, you know, the core value of the organization, your purpose, your mission. You know, what do they want to do as well? All of those things. Do you find that... Um it's it's hard because, as you know, the executive director is always doing a million things. And so, you know, you, if you try to do a million different things, you're spread out so thin, yes. um, you know, and, you know, the idea is I, I know what happens. And that is as a as an executive director, you you say, OK, I need a board. And um, and so once you get what you feel is your board together, you are you're moving on to something else. Um, and there's potential for that board, either someone on the board to be a mismatch or, or someone gets burnt out because they've been doing it too long. Right. Uh, you know, maybe you don't run good board meetings. People are bored, you know, it's, there's all these things that goes on. And, you know, I think there's a called ABR okay. always be, always be recruiting. 
you know, and it's tough, right? When you're, when you are, I guess, I guess what I would do, and again, I, I haven't been in the ex, in an executive director role. I guess what I would do is delegate the recruiting of the board to somebody on the board who is it maybe would be the chairman of the board and say, this is your job. We need five people on the board and that's your job. You know, your job is to make sure we always have five people on the board and try to find the best people you have. That's right. So I definitely agree with you, Stephen. Always be recruiting. So I definitely love that idea because I'm always recruiting. So as you go through challenges and barriers of your organization every year, you have to look to see where are the weaknesses are, where are the strengths, and where do you see opportunities. So if you're not always in the recruitment or what happened when someone, when a key person, when life happened to one of your key members, right? You gotta have a succession plan. You gotta have a backup. So you definitely have to be in a mode of always uh, recruitment. The other part is engagement. So you you hit the nail on the on the head. You said you could have board members who are bored. Yeah, because their their desire may no longer be the, the same as it was two or three years ago. So, but if you're not also engaging them in something that is meaningful, then you're not gonna be able to keep that board member. You're not gonna be able to keep that volunteer as well. So engagement is a must. The ABA uh, uh, um, strategy is a must. Always be recruiting because life is always happening and you have to be able to pivot when life happens to keep your organization going. You mentioned yeah. about you know stretching um, the executive director to 10. Well, at the beginning, you will have to do everything. You may have to be the, the person who does the marketing, the person who does the website, the person who does the bookkeeping, right? the person who's always recruiting, who's doing the training. There's a good there's a good thing that happened when you do that. You learn, you know, those skills for yourself, but as you start to delegate, you know exactly what you're looking to get out of those things as well. But you cannot do that over a long period of time because you will find that you burn yourself out. Yeah, we 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 talked about the ABR, always be recruiting, but let, let's face it, the the fact of the matter is is uh let's say you you want to have three to five people on your board, right? Yes. And let's say, let's say you have three, right? And you know, you're a little short, but you know, you have the three, you have, you're working on some other priorities right now. Um, and, you know, one of those board members comes to you and says, I need to resign. So now you're down to two and That's right. two people don't really mean the board, right? No. Especially in New York State, you got to have at least three. You got to have three. Okay. Fair enough. So, so my, my, my question to you is, what have you done in the past to be very proactive when you know you need to bring somebody, uh, a volunteer on board, that you got to be proactive and go out there instead of, you know, doing a, um, a casual, always be recruiting attitude? Mm -hmm. what, do you, what have you done in the past to be very assertive about finding somebody? You know, I'm always recruiting, so I'm always networking. And I find that LinkedIn is one place that is very resourceful in terms of finding board members or finding volunteers because it's a platform that is very engaging. Um, you can get a good profile immediately on someone and see what their interest is. You um, said boardable? Yeah, LinkedIn. A LinkedIn, gotcha. LinkedIn. Okay. So yeah. I use LinkedIn a lot um, to you know network with, especially in these days, right, where we're not so, at least for the past three years, we haven't been doing a lot of face-to-face. -face. But I have always used LinkedIn a whole lot 
to um, create a, a network, to meet new people, find out what their interests are, and they find out what my interests are, and see where there's mutual uh, uh, um, collaboration opportunities. And that's the other part. Um, oftentimes, we look at things on one side. What can they do for me? But what can you do for them? Even an intern, when you bring an intern on, what can you also offer the intern? So I love the two-way streets model that we can provide value and that they can provide value. But you don't wait for that to happen when you lose, when you lose a board member or when you lose a volunteer, especially if you are an organization that is starting out and you're looking to you know, bring volunteers or board members. You have to constantly be networking. Um, so therefore, you have a large body of uh, 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 folks that if you need to bring someone on for a particular position and you can go and say, okay, who do I have in my network? That if I do send an e-blast and say, hey, friends, you know, I'm looking to bring someone in for this particular position, who may be of interest? And oftentimes, those folks are not too far away. They're really in your circle. But you have to be proactively doing those things. Tell me about some mistakes that you've made when you're bringing on volunteers, rather in the people you brought on, uh, you know, or how you went about it. Well, early on is um, not having done the tasks, identify what tasks that they are good at, what tasks that they actually want to do. And sometimes you may find that you bringing somebody in because they have skills set in marketing, but for your organization, they have no interest in doing marketing. They really want to put together little packages, uh, um, hygiene kits, and write little nice notes to you know children that you're giving them to or folks who you, you provided them to. So you have to really find out, uh, or at least on at the beginning, create a task description. Um, because if you don't do that, then you're gonna you might set set up yourself for failure. Gotcha. So those were some early mistakes that I did. Another part is you know you're starting out as an organization and you don't have the funding, so you believe that if you bring the person on, that they may have an interest in fundraising, right? Because money is king. You need funds to bring resources. You can't do great things without having money. You could do some good stuff, but you can't do great things. You can't, <laughs> you can't do quality services. You can have great infrastructure if you don't have the funds. So oftentimes when you're recruiting people, they may have no desire in fundraising. So find out what, where uh, uh, do their desires align. So align their desires with the tech that you're actually uh, putting in place. So therefore, you could have better success. Hmm. What else? What other mistakes that you feel like you've made that you learned from? Um, conflict resolution. Oh. Right? So you've had some um, folks who um, they want things one way. So I've learned to be very flexible. Um, I've learned to be uh, able to resolve those things by talking them out early. I've also learned to put in uh, supervision in place a lot more often. What does the supervision do? It helps to um, provide more communication. So therefore, we can always be on the same page and not assuming that they know what they're doing or they know what I'm doing and that things are going the correct way. So when we have supervision, we are able to say, hey, you know, um, these are my expectations. I thought this week you'd have done that. I thought by next week you'd have done this. So supervision allows us to create a timeline and create expectation to reduce conflicts. Have you had scenarios um, where, um, or a scenario where 
you thought somebody was capable, uh, could do something. You assumed that they could do it, maybe because they do it for a living or something like that, and they come in and it's a disaster. Absolutely, because like I said earlier, they didn't they didn't have any interest in that. So oftentimes, folks will do something that is not their norm, something fun, something different, something challenging. So those are things I've had to put in place. So therefore, you know, things can go correct, um, correctly. Otherwise, you could set up yourself for failure. What will happen? By the way, I, I'm not naive to this. Let's mm-hmm. say in New York, where you're required to have three people on the board. What happens if it get? What do you? What do you do if you get the two? I mean. Does the state really care? I mean, uh, do they really check up on it? Uh, what, do you, what do you typically do? No, they don't because things do happen. So that's why you don't, if you know your states allow for three, right? You don't go with three. You go with six. You go with 10. Oh, in, fact, gotcha. in, fact, in fact, there is no limit to how many board members you could have. The issue around that is, are they in the correct position to be doing the work that, you know, the team wants to do? And you also have to make sure that there is good uh, organization culture as well. A lot of folks sleeps on culture, but culture is big, right? Because you may bring one person in, and that person is a rotten apple. And you had nine good apples. And you know what happens when you have a rotten apples in the basket? It's going to mess up the other people. And yeah. you may have nine good folks who've been actively working and doing the work. And then you bring someone in who you talk with by some productivity, and they don't. So they actually demoralize, demoralize uh, uh, the, the, the culture or the group flow. So chemistry is big. So, so those are some things that you definitely um, have to be mindful and watchful for. Tell me about scenarios where you've, uh, you've brought on volunteers that were not for the board, that yes. they were for other roles. Tell me a little bit about that. So you have to pivot, right? So then you realize, oh, you know what, um, Jean-Pierre, uh, I bought you one thinking that you would have been great at um, strategic planning. And you realize that you really haven't done a great job in that. However, I feel that you are great at engaging. You're great at presenting. So we need you to provide more support around the outreach, the donor engagement, the marketing, making some good phone calls, that kind of thing. So you just have to, you know, as, as you learn where their skills uh, uh, can best serve the organization. Again, you go right back to having an honest dialogue, honest conversation. I lead with honesty. Our organization lead with honesty. It's better to know up front, uh, like I said, what's your desire? Um, where do you really want to have an impact? So therefore, we can reduce the conflict of, uh, of operating on assumptions. Have you, have you had situations in, in the past where... Um, you you kind of didn't pay any attention to the volunteers, whether it be on the board or on the, uh, you know, people who are doing some legwork, mm-hmm. and and they lose interest, and you lose the volunteer. And have you had a strategy in order to make sure that you are engaged with the volunteers? Absolutely, I, we call that managing. Right. Oh, yeah. In life, whatever you don't manage well, you're going to lose it. Right. So if you don't manage your children correctly, they're going to get in trouble. If you don't manage that new relationship, then you're going to lose that relationship. If you don't manage your, your, your health, then you're going to lose your health. So if you don't manage your volunteer correctly, if you don't manage your board member correctly, you're going to lose them because they're going to lose interest. 
So the best way to resolve that is managing. Hmm. Now, do you think you do these things well? Um, I've done them much better over the years. And yeah. because my passion for the way that I do, I have a knack for looking into these things. And it's actually one of my best strengths is you know, recruiting and maintaining and keeping both board members and, and, um, and volunteers. But I do realize, well, when it comes to board members, for non-for-profit, as you notice, uh, board members, are not get, they, they do not get paid, right? But they do come in with skill sets to add value to the organization. So I have a, I have a, I have a, uh, a good knack for finding the right board members that do understand the core values of capital care and do understand the mission of capital care, the purpose of capital care, what the vision is looking like. What are we trying to do next one, two, two to three years? Um, can they do that? And if they can't, then we have an honest conversation. Where do you see your skill set best fit? So I've had to make those adjustments with my board members. And the good thing is when you lead with honesty, then you find the right person. So when you do speak with them, they understand what you are trying to do. At the end of the day, the organization is my baby, right? I am the founder and president and CEO. So I'm looking for to have the best uncles, the best aunts, the best godparents for the organization. But when you lead with honesty, you will find the people who are coming in will say, will say up the bat, Yes, I can, or no, I can't. But you also have to be very flexible because life is going to happen. So when life happens, you have to, you know, make those adjustments. So if you lead with honesty, then there'll be great thing, you know, then you then you'll have folks who um who will understand as you're making adjustments for the betterment of the organization. And one thing I try to balance in the in capital care is three things. I try to make sure that what they're doing is what they want to do that is fair to them, it's fair to the organization, but it's also fair to the people that we are serving. So I'm always trying to balance those three. That's my role, to balance those three things out. So whether it's for the staff, it's for the board, or it's for the volunteers, it's for the organization, and it's for the people that we're serving, I want to make sure there's a good balance between those three things. Because anytime that, that, that there is a unbalanced among those three things, you're going to have trouble. You're going to lose somebody. Last question. Uh, what challenges do you face now going forward in regards to volunteers uh, for your organization? The biggest challenge is always um, figure out how do you keep the consistency, yeah, right? Yeah. Because consistency is key. We didn't get to be um, 14 years as an organization by not being consistent. So the challenge is always find that sweet spot. You know, I love baseball. I used to play baseball, right? Find that sweet spot. So when when you do connect, that you could definitely uh, um, have the best chance of getting a hit. So yeah. the challenge is finding that consistency in uh, whether it's what the person wants to do or as you pivot to something else. So therefore, there can always be good results. You're not going to get 100. You know, listen, you're not going to get 100. You're not always going to get it right 100% of the time. But if you do it well and you're constantly uh, uh, managing it, you're constantly looking for where there is weakness, where there is challenges, but where there's also opportunities for success and growth, then you'll get it right. Yeah, you know, the, the excitement comes early on in a nonprofit when you come up with the idea and you, you know, it's the, you're, you're building an organization. But after, you know, a, a number of years, it comes down to X's and O's and executing, right? That's right. And that's where some people get a little bit um, 
less enthusiastic, you know. Um, now, maybe it's a little bit different in a nonprofit than it is with a business because with the nonprofit, you when you when you see the uh, your cause, well, how you can affect it, um, that must be pretty exciting, right? When you see that you know you're helping people and making a difference in whatever cause you're involved with, um, that then then maybe the execution is exciting when you're doing that. But there is a transition from the idea to the actual execution of the idea. Um, Did you find that with yourself? Absolutely. Um, What I find for myself is that I also need to take care of myself because if I don't take care of myself, I can't execute correctly. So as a result, I'm doing a disservice to to a couple of things. I'm doing a disservice to myself, my health, so I'm not going to be around long enough to take care of my staff, my volunteers, my board, but to take care of the people that we are serving. So doing this work, you definitely have the passion. Otherwise, you're going to get burned out. Your light's going to get turned off. And the best way to do that is always to prioritize self-care. So when we, when we first hit the bases, to hit the ground to start running, we have to also take, take, take time for ourselves. Take a break. Um, you know, de- uh, uh, disconnect for a little bit. So therefore, you could always come back um, to continue doing this. And right now, I feel like I, I, I'm loaded um, because I've done a good job of doing that. Even like today, right? I woke up this morning. Uh, I went and worked my husky, right? So for like 30 minutes of just walking, it's just disconnect. It's just me and my dog, right? So I'm taking it in. But after that, I can get back to the work. Later on, same thing. Go back. Me and my dog. We walking, disconnect. So you have to always fuel yourself. Take that time for yourself. Um, other than that, you're going to lose your desire. You're going to lose your light. going to get turned off. You're going to get burned out and you're going to lose that, that, that energy, that passion to continue the work. Well, it's a great podcast. I really enjoy, uh, uh, JPL for you for coming on. Um, so I'd like to thank uh, JPL or, uh, Jean, uh, Pierre, uh, uh, Lewis, uh, from Capra Care for coming on today's podcast. Uh, if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you, and if you like today's podcast, please give us a five-star review on your podcasting app. The Nonprofit MBA podcast is in the top 5% of all podcasts for the nonprofit category. And it's because of those reviews that that's really a key ingredient. It really helps us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. JPL, um, if someone wants to reach out to you, how would they go about doing that? Um, they can uh, um, cap, you could just Google Capital Care. I'm definitely on LinkedIn at, under Jean-Pierre Louis. You can find me on Instagram, all the major social medias. I'm on there as well. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Capricare is the same way, but you can go to our website, www.capricare.org. That's C-A-P-R-A-C-A-R-E, and you can find us. And it's uh, capricare.com, correct? Capricare.org. .org. .org. I'm sorry. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. You got it. Thank you for having me, Steven. I, I enjoyed this. So I think the, uh, you know, the summary of today is um, I think you got to have a plan, you know, for uh, volunteers, you know, have it down on one sheet of paper, how you're going to recruit, 
make sure you have your 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 mission, your values, your goals. Um, you know, make sure that you uh, delegate um, some of that role of uh, getting volunteers. Everything that JPL told us today, um, I think, is really some really sound advice for someone who has 14 years experience doing it. Um, the last thing, as you all know, if you listen to enough of my podcasts, I always do this. Uh, you know, JPL did a great job of saying what he does as well. And that is the first thing is, you you know, I want to thank you all for um, doing your best to make the world a better place. You guys are out there every single day. Um, you're, you're making the world a better place. I'm trying to do my part um, in, in the small way that I do. But you guys are out there, but you can't do your job if you don't take good care of yourself. And that should be the first priority of every day. So you can't be good to your employees. You can't be good to your cause. You can't be good to your family if you're not good to yourself. And that means taking really good care of yourself, exercise, eating right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you should come first and then you can help everybody else second. So I just want to thank everybody for listening and please take really good care of yourself.